0: In this episode of Novel Predictions, Allison gets loud.
1: And then when he announced it, I literally was like, God damn it. And Nate was like, (laughs) I screamed it. And Nate was like, what's going on? And I was like, no, this isn't supposed to happen. Fault in Our Stars. And I'm Allison, and I just read it for the first time. And I am a terrible friend. Mm -hmm. If you're just joining us for the first time, Novel Predictions
0: is a fun podcast where two friends, Allison and myself, read about a book a month, and one of us is rereading it, and one of us is reading it for the first time. And the one who's reading it for the first time has to make predictions about what they think is going to happen. And then when we finish reading the book, we review it. And that's what this episode is for The Fault in Our Stars. This is the Fault in Our Stars review. As Allison, who has never read, knew barely anything about The Fault in Our Stars, read it for the first time, because I made her. I'm so
1: mad about this book. That's my
0: first impression. I, that's, 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 that's where we start, um, with this review episode, is
1: what, what were your first impressions, Allison? So, to be fair, um, I liked the characters, I liked the story. I like the writing for the most part um I didn't love 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 like much there was a few lines that I was like oh that's a really great line but I don't do sad books um and this book is very very sad what I I didn't I don't know what you're talking about um I don't count the times I cry in this when
0: I read this book uh yeah it's a very very sad book but I couldn't tolerate the idea of you never having read this book and being a YA lover. I can't I just it didn't make sense to me. So I had to put it on this list. And I had to put it first. This is the first book I've made you read with this podcast. And I think it's a great one to start off with. Except now it seemed to have start this precedent of wanting to torture the other one. And I'm really scared because next month's book. uh, I don't know what it is. Mm -mm. And we're gonna find out at the end of this episode.
1: I am not planning to torture you with this one. I wanted one where we could both have some like fun and not torture allison because that's really what this has turned into is let's one destroy allison's love of a book from her childhood and then torture her with feelings that she doesn't want to feel i promise i'm a really good friend (laughs) i promise i brought you a bundt cake the other day you did i'm not mad at you for making me read it i'm just like so angry my the sadness that i feel because of this book is like really it's just transmuted itself into anger at the fact that I had to experience it, um, which is fair, because that's how I deal with sadness whenever it's not like a real life situation. So what what did you rate this book then? I haven't rated it yet because I okay. have some, I don't know, I don't know. I I think that this book on a meta level was a good book. Um, I liked the writing much better than I liked John Greenwright. John Green's writing before I like the characters um, I connected with them I enjoyed the story but I don't want anyone to read this book because it's so fucking sad and I don't want people to have to deal with that so I like don't want to rate it good like I want to rate it bad even though because I hate like I liked the book but I hated this book
0: I guess I get that. I just finished um, Any Man by Amber Tamlin. And it was one of the most terrifying books I've ever read. And so in a way, I was like, yes, mad props, mad respect to this book. But don't read it because yeah. it's terrifying. That's exactly it how I feel. it was so visceral. I had said, like, I was shaking. There was a point where I just had to leave the book on the table. And I'd flip the page, like, one at a time because my hands couldn't hold it steady for me to read it. So you're kind of in that zone from what I'm hearing. It's like mad respect props to it being a good book but you don't want to recommend it to people because you don't want them to have to go through it yeah
1: yeah like i i think that the story is really good um i i think that it's like it has a lot of merit but i also just don't think anyone needs to experience that kind of pain from something that shouldn't cause you pain see i this just cemented my like escapist reading tendencies even more i was sitting there reading it last i finished it last night because i i finished this book We read the first five chapters we recorded that episode it's been two weeks since then i read the rest of this book in one sitting last night because i refused to read it before that because i didn't want to deal with it so i read for like three and a half hours and finished this book sitting at my kitchen table like i yelled at the book i almost threw it across the room the only thing that stopped me um was that it is library book and I work at the library and I would have felt really bad. Um, I literally had to like turn it over and the, I was texting Kales the whole time, get like with reactions. And the reason I kept texting her is so that I would interrupt my engagement with the text.
0: Yeah, because it was actually kind of funny because we try we tried with Aragon to not tell each other what we thought ahead of time. And we tried with Fault in Our Stars, too, at the beginning. But I was just like, I feel like I have to be there for you while you read this book. And I just feel like I need this Fault in Our Stars survival
1: kit of chocolate and tissues. I did go buy chocolate. Good for you. But I didn't end up eating it. Yeah, I I used texting you as a tool to pull myself out of the narrative so that I would feel the emotions less intensely, which I can probably tell because I texted you at like really pivotal parts. I did stop at the end because I was like, I should like try to... Be immersed. That's okay. Um,
0: I was, I was, I was running out of responses because I was just, I just kept wanting to be like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm so sorry." It's a good, it's a good book. I promise. It's a good hurt, and you were just like, "Bullshit." Yeah, she
1: said something about it being a good hurt, and I was like, "No, I refuse." But um, so yeah, I did that, and then yeah, I read it all in one sitting, and um, my husband was like, "What's happening?" Like as, as I was reading it, because he listened to our episode, and he was like. I'm really excited to see how it goes. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I like I finished it and I like stomped upstairs and I was like screaming about the ending and he was like, this is ridiculous. So that's yeah. what happened with this book. So what happened for me was I actually fell in love with it all over again. You fucking would. I
0: did. I did. I was I was reading it and or I was listening to it. Actually, I didn't read it. Um, I was listening to it. And I just was like, oh my God, I love this book. I bumped it up to a five stars because I was like, this book will never not be loved. It was so amazing. And I was reciting lines with it. And I just was, oh God. And I cried three times, even though like I knew what was happening. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine for you reading it for the first time, having no idea of the context of the background, which I'll tell you and we'll talk about. But I I did, I cried three times. Um, I'm curious to know where you cried because you told me. I was also going to say, spoilers for The Fault in Our Stars. If you're not on this track already, we're, we're just like hashtag spoiler squad over here and we spoil all the books. Uh, if you haven't read Fault in Our Stars, who are you? Because even you're Allison's me. read it.
1: <laughs> no. You're yes. me when you were happier and in a, a nicer time in your and life. And believed in the world. Um, yeah. So I cry when Hazel
0: gives Augustus the eulogy. I cried when Augustus died. And I cried when, at the I do at the end, when uh, she reads the n- the note.
1: Are you gonna cry now? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> God, just the, uh, it's so good. It's so good. It how like
1: I just don't I just don't understand how you don't. I'm not a masochist. Uh, ugh, I'm not either. Do you want to know when I cried? Yes, I would like to know. Because it's weird. I don't care. I, I won't ever judge you. Okay. So I cried when uh, Hazel calls his phone. Oh, my God. And the voicemail. Yeah. That was... I, like, was okay. And I was like, he's dead. Oh, my God. You know, I was, like, feeling it. But I didn't cry. And then as soon as she called his phone, I, like, started crying because... Yep. I would do that. Yep. I, yeah. Um, I also cried when her dad tells her it's bullshit that he yes. died that whole monologue of him saying it's bullshit it's bullshit that's i can't wait to talk about this because you totally were like absentee parents and i was like
0: fuck no i was like no the parents are there and they were supportive and amazing and we can talk about that later yeah but
1: okay we can talk about it later i have yeah we'll argue about we'll it argue i know about we will it later just from the look on your face yeah we'll argue about it and then um at the very end when he says you get to choose who hurts you and have you listened To the first episode, you will know that I equated August to my husband quite a bit.
0: So much so that I sat there nearly the entire time trying to be like, oh, my God, no, Allison, stop making these, stop making these um, parallels parallels between Nate and Augustus because you're just going to die.
1: Yeah, I was. So what happened? So whenever they, um, what, what, I can't remember the exact point when I realized it was. If that was Augustus. I was, was going to ask die. you: Did
0: you notice before I noticed he, he announced it? I did. Is I, it when? Because he's in pain. Because c- it's when it's right before they leave. Is like the first tent drop when he's arguing with his family about it's his life. Then he is hurt, like in pain, on the airplane. Yeah. Then he's in pain in the Anne Frank house, and then he's in pain in the elevator. Yeah. So I. Those are like the drop. Wow. I am such a nerd. I just realized that I just laid all four of those incidents out for you without even looking at the book.
1: Yeah. So the pain in the plane was the first inkling that I had that maybe something was going to, something was happening, but I, I didn't acknowledge it because I don't, didn't want that to happen. Um, and then when he's in pain in the elevator, like I, I, you know, I saw the plane, I saw the. And Frank house. I was like, okay, well, maybe he's, like, having a resurgence, but I didn't get to the point where I thought, you know, he's having a resurgence to the point where he's going to be the one that dies until I lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, until the elevator, and then I was like, fuck. No, 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 no. And then when he announced it, I literally was like, god damn it! And they was like <laughs> i screamed it and it was like what's going on and i was like no this isn't supposed to happen i don't i care about more about him than i care about her so when that happened i was so angry and i just like <laughs> kales is crying i have tears there to, i can't help myself <clears throat> i wore waterproof mascara though i'm i was so angry i was so damn angry like because I was on running on a high because I had all my predictions about Amsterdam would come true and I was really excited and then that hit me and I was like, No, don't you're ruining it. You're ruining it. Um, it's just it's
0: so much it's so hard because it's just like he, he it comes out of nowhere and you just but you hate it because he knows from when she gets sick, because that's how right, long yeah. he knows. And it just is like like, holy shit that it's been going on this whole time. These two dying children are falling in love. And for her, I love the line where she says, I fall, I fell in love with him the way you fall asleep slowly and then all at once because I feel that heavily in this book. And I remember when I read it the first couple of times, I was like, what? Where did she, Where did this come from? She didn't really like him and da-da-da. Like, I didn't get it. And even rereading it this time still, I was like, oh, no, this is... it. It totally is a slow burn mm-hmm. and then just ignites and it's it's well done to be frank like it's you can't deny that it is a well done book
1: no i do not deny that i i appreciate the writing to step back from the horrifying sadness of this book for a minute i do there still are some characters that i rolled my eyes every time they talked yeah the best friend i think is really hard for me um i liked him a lot
0: no no no, not isaac the oh the girl the girl she's not
1: even like a blip on my radar yeah no
0: she's literally there just to be like the crazy sassy friend
1: yeah i think she's there to be a representation of like quote normal girls
0: yeah and and like hazel before which is because if like. you think about it everybody in this book is hazel after yeah and no, we don't have any representation of hazel before and so i think she's the one little glimpse we get of that but i hate hazel before so like that it doesn't work for me
1: yeah i just there was that and like sometimes and i i do like that he acknowledged it because um there was one line when Hazel's thinking about um, August, Augustus is like the whole proposal to go to Amsterdam and all this stuff, and she says like there was all these this manufactured um, metaphor. Me- no, but she oh. was like it was the, he was like I forget exactly what she said, but basically she was saying he was like creating a persona, but I loved him more when he was like when he let that fall away. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, every time he was doing that, I was just like, God, you're the worst. Um, I'm still mad about the Ardusha cigarette thing. Our douche adjacent Augustus Waters. Yeah, I'm still mad about the cigarette thing and that he never let that go. I, I, it still hits me. I knew when you, it, when you were telling me about that cigarette
0: thing, about that being the one thing you didn't like about Augustus Waters, I just couldn't get the image of him in the car and the G-tube out of my head. That And I was just me, sitting there like, oh my God, she's gonna lose it over I this did scene. did lose it.
1: And the... What hit me the worst about the thing that I hated most about this book, let's put it that way, was we find out August. August why you, I don't know why you think his name is August. I not don't. Augustus. I just don't want to call him Gus because I hate that name. That's fair. Um, when she started calling him Gus, I was like, no, call him Augustus. Well, he
0: calls her out on it. I know.
1: Um, so you find out Augustus is dying is going to be the one to die. Basically, um, about thirty nine pages. <laughs> um before the end because i texted mckeely and i was like 40 pages till the end and still haven't cried and then the next damn page
0: i legitimately i went and i looked i got too close i went and i looked when you told me you were 40 pages from the end and i was like oh my god she has no idea i was like she has no idea it was 40 the next page yeah it's right before and i was he tells her
1: yeah it's like the page before he tells her mm-hmm. and so you get that 40 pages before the end and then it's 40 pages of him dying yep. and horribly. And I was so, like, I was sitting there and I was just like shaking because I was so mad that I had to read about this 17 year old kid who had all this life, lose it, and the detail that he goes into and everything. I was, I was like so angry. I was so angry because I was like, "Okay, fucking kill him off," but fade to black for me, please, because I can't deal with that. So it's ugh. so
0: nice and awful.
1: Um, I
0: I love Welcome to the Tiffios Journey. Um, <laughs> before we go into our questions, I do I I I, I want to just ask: Do you have any more like just general thoughts? I'm sure we'll go into it more when I prompt you with the questions.
1: There was a couple things I thought were interesting. Oh, and go I, for it. And I think it's. Um, Partially just me, like uh I haven't read a YA book in a while that has characters that have sex.
0: Yeah, d- talk besides, to me about that then.
1: Besides Sarah J. Moss and she's not. Yeah, this
0: is not Sarah J. Maas sex. Right.
1: So it was really funny because they, um, like, you know, would do whatever had they have sex in Amsterdam, but the way the segue between like they're like starting to take each other's clothes off into the like retrospective internal monologue of hazel happened that like it just was this one paragraph jump it threw me so much because i read romance novels oh and i was like oh yeah wait what and then it, like like i didn't expect it to be romancy like a romance novel but i was just so thrown by that instantaneous pivot to an hour later like you know and so that was really funny to me, like as a self-realization, like, wow, I've really become accustomed to <laughs> hearing about sex in books. Well, um, I actually thought it was
0: well done. I remember reading it back then when I was younger and thinking that, oh, this is actually not terrible. And then I remember loving how kind of real it was in a way of like that she was worried that her bra and her panties don't match. And the fact that this shirt got all tangled in the G-tube and that Augustus is worried about his leg and the scarring. Like, it, it still felt very... Um, genuine and 17 year old e to well me. and
1: i appreciate that it was just awkward enough without them going into the description of like the most awkward things that could happen and they talk about how it wasn't awkward you know there was like a couple things that happened but but you know it it's like if you're watching a teen movie like a, a big quotes teen movie where the virgin is like having sex for the first time and it's the most awkward thing ever and you don't want to watch like i was a little afraid i was gonna have to read through that um and i've read books that are like that and i was glad that this was not one of them but it still kind of jolted me out for a second because i was like oh i was expecting this to get like at least some kind of description and then i get nothing Um, which wasn't a bad thing like i don't need to read about teenagers having sex but it was just kind of funny I kind of had to step back for myself and be, for a second and be like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is how this is how books that were written uh, 10 years ago are depicted sex in YA. It's so different now.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then what were some of your other interesting things?
1: I was really happy that Hazel never forgave Peter Van Housen. Because I fucking hated that guy. Yeah, she totally stuck to her guns on that one. Even when he's like being repentant and whatever. She's like, no, you're still a dick. She like,
0: left him on the fucking curb. I know. She left him on the curb. I still think about it all the time. I'm like, what do you fucking do? Uber home? That's not that's not a thing in 2012.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so I loved that. Um, I know there
0: are taxis and things. Please don't think of me like a super millennial that Uber's the only way to get around in the world. Like, I totally understand that. But in my head, I'm like, what happened to Peter Van Houten that she just left him there? Yeah. That, that's one of the things I think about.
1: Yeah, so I loved that because I was like, this guy is an – he's irreparable. But other than that, I'm ready to talk about predictions. I'm sure other stuff will come out. <laughs> um, I I want to – I'm going to tell you the story
0: real quick. Okay. So there is a young woman named Esther Earle, and she had thyroid cancer. And the same thing as Hazel. Um, but there was no phalanx before, And her make-a-wish was to meet John Green. And she and some of her closest friends got to meet John, um, when he came out with paper towns and he said the experience changed his life. And he actually became really good friends with Esther and her family afterwards. And John also had worked in, as a, as a, as a priest in a children's hospital, not a priest, but he like did the, he um he was like a spiritual guy or leader yeah or he like did the prayers and stuff with them and he worked in children's hospital was around a lot of ill children and um he became very connected to esther earl and esther was really big on the online community she made her own videos about what it was like to have cancer and being a 14 year old girl and and you know kind of being confined to her room but was also really active and a huge reader obviously and she had like an on- a lot of skype friends online and they had this great group and and so uh, then Esther Earl passed away. She mm-hmm. lost her battle with cancer. And there's this, sorry, there's a really, all her videos are still online. Her parents created, last time I checked anyway, um, her parents created this Star Won't Go Out Foundation with uh, for kids with cancer. Um, and it's the Esther Earl Ball at LeakyCon every year. And uh, John Green has this very uh, harrowing video. Uh, that he has online of when he talks about when she passed away and so and that that experience he talks about how his grief came out in the form of this book and how he had had an idea for this book back when he worked with those children but it never really came to fruition and so that's why the book's dedicated to her Mm -hmm. and esther and hazel share a middle name and they share a similar look Um, he makes it very clear in the book that or he makes it very clear in interviews that hazel is not esther um, she's like esther would have killed me if i ever suggested that she marathoned america's next top model or <laughs> anything like that um you know but it, it just really struck him about this life that she could had and and it was a lot of his thoughts about what happened to her got put into this book and mm-hmm. what that means and then he got a grant to go write in amsterdam and um that was part of this book too and that exploration and where he did more research on Anne Frank but that that's the whole thing with Esther Earl and I've actually read The Star Won't Go Out which is a collection of like her journals and her history and stuff and I did not watch the Vlogbrothers when she was still alive so I don't really know her but when I went back and watched all their videos it was devastating so yeah that's that's Esther Earl and that's a huge part of this.
1: So after I were after we had recorded our first episode um, did you cheat? No, I did not. I didn't. But I remembered you said Esther Earl, and it reminded me that we have, I think we have that book at the library. So I've seen the cover of it. So I did not look at the book because I don't. Well, don't read it
0: because you don't want another
1: cry. No, I, fuck no.
0: Yeah, it's really good though. It's because she like wanted to be a writer and so her parents published her journals and her pictures and it's, you know, there's notes from her mom and her friends and just, and John wrote the foreword and all this stuff and it's just pretty cool
1: i did because you harangued me so much i did read the author's note and all the crap the dedication and everything in this book thank you after i finished it though thank you um did you see somebody on our twitter was like kales i read them yes (laughs) we had one person yeah one person
0: uh and then i also got called a unicorn because i don't drink coffee that was pretty cool
1: yeah i was i called you a unicorn Oh, that was me. Dummy. Well, somebody said, I'll hail the unicorn. I got really excited. Yeah. I said that you were a unicorn that could survive without coffee. And then they said, I'll hail the unicorn. Okay, cool. Well, that was still <laughs> awesome.
0: But anyway, so yeah, that's the story with Esther Earl. Um, let's get to our questions because I don't want to be sad anymore. Yeah. Let's... Thinking about Esther Earl. Let's be funny and critique this book. Okay. So uh, question one was, does the MC fall in love? And I asked you with who? Allison predicted...
1: I feel like that question's super leading, but okay. Um I think Hazel and Augustus obviously are falling in love. That's like the point of the damn book.
0: Yeah, you did it right. So she falls in love with Augustus. It's not Isaac. There's no red herring there. It's totally fine.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't think there was. Although I was, as I was reading um the end, I was thinking I wouldn't be surprised if that ended up like if they both were you know continuing to live that maybe that close friendship that built was built on knowing augustus could turn into a relationship later i mean i'm glad it didn't in the book because that would have been so weird but um i could see that happening like as a this is what brought us together thing because he's i mean he's still awesome I liked him a lot. I really like Isaac. I really love his blind person, his blind boy video game. That was so fun. I was like, what is happening? And then she... Hump the wall. Yeah. Well, and then she was, You cannot jump. At first, I didn't understand that it wasn't... That the screen was black until she finally, like, set it out specifically. I was like, oh, that makes more sense. So I was like, what is this crazy, like, video game you control with your voice? Um, it's a
0: blind kid video game. I love it. But,
1: um, yeah, no. Obviously, that was obvious from the second they saw each other because yeah predictability is important for some things yeah it works um
0: what tropes did you see allison predicted mentioned manic pixie dream girl a little bit just
1: a little not a lot so so that's definitely one i see that i see the whole like pretending to be indifferent bad boy is actually like because of the fucking cigarette thing I think there's probably going to be some parent absenteeism
0: you were right about kind of like the the kind of bad boy-esque of Augustus Waters because and I didn't think about it when I first read this book obviously but when I was rereading it and thinking about what you had said about calling him douche adjacent and stuff and I really I was thinking about it Because it's kind of a dick move that he doesn't tell her she's sick. He's sick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, in a way, some people interpreted it as, like, totally manipulating the shit out of her. Because, like, he didn't tell her until after they slept together or until after they went on this big trip, until after they fell in love. And, like, some people, there's a... very popular video on youtube about why i didn't like the vault in our stars and they actually claim that augustus is like a predator type and the fact that he like wouldn't say no to her advances and she kept saying no and he just kept being there and it wasn't romantic and all this stuff so there's a little bit of that but i think it's interpretation
1: absolutely i i would disagree with the predator type i think that um i think that you know she said I don't want to do this with you, all these things. And he said basically, like, okay. And then he was still there for her. And he was like, I'll be here for you in any capacity that you choose. So I don't think that that's predatory. I mean, I don't think that she was manipulated into giving him more than she wanted to.
0: I think the the biggest critique is the fact that they slept together in a moment of weakness for her, which was after Peter Van Houten, and that it... In that whole incident. And then... He didn't tell her that he was dying.
1: Yeah. Which, and that
0: people found that manipulative.
1: My personal opinion is that I don't think it was manipulative. I think it was probably I mean, it was definitely not the best way to go about it, but it was probably the most honest depiction of how that would actually happen. Because if you're terrified, if you just found out you're dying again and but you've been trying to convince this girl that it's okay that she's dying and that you – like, to let you love her and, like, you know, build this relationship that you feel is important. How terrifying would it be then to be like, oh, well, now I'm going to be the one who hurts her? Like, I don't think – I don't think that's manipulative. I think that it's um, definitely fear-driven, but I think it's probably pretty real with how a lot of people would handle that situation. Now, the fact that he told her after they slept together, I think there's this – like, romance movie trope, and maybe romance novel trope, where uh, people, one one person in a party doesn't feel comfortable enough sharing some secret with the other until they've been physically intimate. It's a common thread. Um, and then that always causes problems. Always. So I don't think that that was necessarily emotionally manipulative I, or physically even. I think that it was a, another trope. Um, what about Hazel as a manic pixie dream girl? I mean, cause you had thought about that
0: and I don't actually think it's true, but that's me. I think she has more depth to her.
1: She definitely has more depth than like a manic pixie dream girl. And maybe that wasn't the, I think that was the closest approximation to what I was thinking of, but she is very, she's a
0: hipster for yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's very she's very um individual and I think that's used as a device in this book. And that's fair. Um, but I don't think that that's um a persona that isn't possible or is untrue. I was like that too. I was very like and you were too very like I'm my own person and I like have all these individual thoughts. Hence listen
0: to the first episode of this podcast where McKaylee describes the fact that she didn't read Aragon because everybody else liked it.
1: Right. So I think that she has that tendency. Um
0: I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it is a is a trope. But of it's trope. But it also but it fits with what a you know, the teenager of that time. It does. No, I'm I'm absolutely on board for it. It's just it's tropey. The other trope that you mentioned was abstinence parents. Yeah. And I think her parents are actually very present, mainly in comparison to other YA novels. I don't think her parents are like 100 percent. They're awesome all the time. But I think, again, comparatively to some other ones where they're dead or there's only one or they're mis- whatever. I think it actually does a pretty good job
1: i yeah i agree that i was wrong on that one except while they're in amsterdam because her yeah i think it's stupid that the mom just like abandoned her her mom's just like uh bye i'm just gonna leave you in this city where you don't speak the language you're 16 uh enjoy having sex (laughs) like peace out bye right so that that one i was just like okay so yeah like she she made herself very scarce in amsterdam um but definitely when they get home and I like that we got more with her dad in the end because he he seemed really absentee at first and it was weird, but I do, I like that at the end she kind of talks about how he understands her cancer in the same way she does in this kind of, like, ambiguous, like, emotional ball, not as, like, a disease that can be treated in, like, these medical things. I still
0: do really love the bullshit conversation she has with her dad, like you mentioned, and I still love the... I still love that just her parents look out for her. You know what I mean? The fact that her mom does know so much about her illness and the fact that, you know, they really do care for her and the fact that the mom comes running in the shower. That's something that I I don't know. And I remember it so vividly from the movie too when Laura Dern runs out in this like purple towel or pink towel with her hair all thrown apart because Hazel's yelling for her. Mm -hmm. And she thinks something's wrong and it, it just, I don't know why, but that hits me so hard of like, you know, because it's it's true. There's nothing worse than biting it from cancer, except having a kid that bites it from cancer. Yeah. yeah how many times can I quote this book? Have a drinking game, guys. Any time McKaylee accurately quotes "The Fault in Our Stars," take a shot. You can have a liquor of your choice. So I'm glad we didn't necessarily have to argue about it, but I, I do I, I do appreciate that you at least got one trope wrong. Because <laughs> um, let's talk about the mentor. Is there a mentor? And if so, how do they meet? Allison predicted.
1: There's got to be some kind of reckoning with the author. Either they meet, they go to him, he's great or whatever. It doesn't seem likely. They go to him, he's incapable or dead, or he comes to them.
0: You did get it right yeah, that it was it Peter Van Houten.
1: Perfectly right. Uh-huh. I got all the Peter Van Houten stuff perfectly right. It was right. awesome. He's a an dick. asshole. He's a dick, and it's because he is like ill because he's an alcoholic yep so he's incapacitated he
0: it makes like no fucking sense yeah this man like i think you're so right in that it's kind of i feel like there is a small part of john green that is this man and not an insult to john green i think from what i know of him he's a wonderful human being but i just mean it's like everybody has kind of those parts of themselves and this feels like the dickish part of john green yeah yeah like, the, he just exacerbated it.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, whenever I was reading it, when they, well, okay, first of all, when they got, when they just actually get to go to Amsterdam, because there was a couple of times where they were like, we're going, we're not going, we're going, we're not going. And I was like, ugh, just decide. Once they finally got to go to Amsterdam, I was so excited because I had predicted that. And then I literally turned to Nate and I was like, yes, they're going to Amsterdam. Except and, the mom came. Um,
0: you said the mom wasn't going to go. Oh, did I? Yeah. But that's okay. okay. Just an absentee parent thing.
1: Yeah. Which she really didn't. Yeah. Let's be real. She was, yeah, whatever. She wouldn't work on her schoolwork. But anyway, and so then whenever they went and saw Peter and he like opened it and he was like, and then he slammed the door in their face and he said, there's a couple of specters on my porch. I was like, yes, this guy is crazy and mean. I'm so excited because I got this so right. I think I even may have said something about his assistant, like orchestrating the whole thing without his knowledge. You did. Boom. <laughs> yep, you did. Mic drop. Yeah, you said it was uh, someone else was doing the whole trip, and he mm-hmm. was unaware of it.
0: He's aware, but he forgot, and so I'll give it to you because he has no fucking clue. Yeah, because he's on. out of his
1: mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so drunk. And then she leaves him on the curb.
1: Yeah, I loved. When I he actually, comes to
0: Augustus's funeral. I loved how'd that, that go.
1: I loved that whole scene. I loved. I, I honestly loved every scene that he was in because they were like take no shit from him. Um, there's actually a really great scene in the movie. Um, because in pg-13
0: movies you're allowed to have one one f-bomb one f-bomb yep and she throws it at him when they're leaving the house it's not in the book obviously but i remember in john green's video they were talking about the f-bomb in the movie and how he was like well if you have one f-bomb in a pg-13 movie throwing it at peter van houten's a pretty good
1: way to use it yeah yeah like whenever she gets so in his face about the thing and he's just being such a dick I was just really proud of her for, like, not backing down because he's an adult and somebody who's respected. Um, And then I loved that the assistant was just like, fuck him. Like, let's go to this. (laughs) Let's go to this museum. Can I ask you
0: about your opinion on the kiss in the Anne Frank house? Because at the time of this book, that was actually one of the most controversial things in the entire book was the kiss of the Anne Frank house.
1: Why? Because it was, like, disrespectful of the Holocaust house?
0: People thought it was disrespectful and other people thought it was, Anne would have been totally fine with it.
1: I mean, they're teenagers. I think that that's like a totally expected behavior for teenagers who've never, like, they're, they're in a foreign country. They're at a museum. They're currently unsupervised. I don't think, I mean, sure. Is it the best time and place for that? Probably not. But it's not like, I don't know. It's not like, I don't know. I think curmudgeoning people would say this is super disrespectful, but I don't think that it's fair to expect someone to be sad all the time about something, um, which I think is a big part of this book too. Um, but I think that it's, it's not fair for someone to expect everyone to feel this, a certain level of reverence or sadness or whatever in any given space, um, it's not like they were vandalizing the walls so yeah no i'm i was fine with it i thought it was pretty fun i liked that the um, adults all clapped for them that was pretty funny i liked that they expected censure and then didn't receive it i guess yeah Um, i just was curious because like i said i remember when that when the
0: book came out that was a, a rather large controversy and actually the movie fault in our stars is the only movie in the history of movies to be allowed to
1: film in the actual Anne Frank house wow that's cool right I'm never gonna see that movie but um, it's fine
0: that's why I'm telling you about it because I know you'll never watch it and I instead the whole time I was reading it I was like oh my
1: god I want to watch the movie yeah no
0: yeah um any any more thoughts on Peter Van Houten and the asshole that he is I mean he's a fucking dick
1: I was when he showed up to the funeral I was like what the actual hell and then I was really glad that she wasn't like oh Augustus invited you so it's okay she's like no fuck you like get away from me you're a poison and then he's his epilogue was just like the most pretentious bullshit I've ever heard and I love that she called him on it I do like that they had a heart-to-heart about his missing his dead daughter but she still she Hazel still didn't take it yeah but she was still like I'm sorry for about your daughter but like you're shitty still <laughs> like that doesn't know that's exactly what it was. doesn't excuse your behavior which i really liked that moments when peter van houten was in the book were moments that i felt the most respect for her um, most of the, of the other times i was like just really all over augustus's like whole vibe i really loved everything he said except for when he was being pretentious and doing the smoking thing but i like he was my my favorite character in it until she was with Van Houten and then I she was so great because he was always every time they well I guess the one time they confronted him when they were together he like didn't say anything and I was like mm, what's up dude yeah no
0: he didn't he didn't take charge in that she totally did
1: who's going to die
0: Allison predicted Hazel dies yeah that's what I'm hearing from you mm-hmm. okay yeah, I said
1: Hazel was gonna die yeah you
0: did mention offhandedly that it might be Augustus
1: I know but the reason I didn't the reason I didn't guess augustus is because i don't want it to be augustus and then when it was augustus and we learned that i was so angry i like i literally almost threw my book across the room like i because he i don't know and i don't know i don't know why he's so much more important to me than she is i think he makes her that way it's because the whole
0: thing because augustus's whole idea of hazel about how like he says he says it in the writing at the end about how she doesn't want to be noticed by the world, that she's okay with that. You know, real peer, the real heroes anyway aren't the people doing things. The real people are the people noticing things, paying attention. She walks lightly upon the earth because Hazel knows the truth. We're as likely to hurt the universe as we are to help it and we're not likely to do either because I think that he makes you notice Augustus more than I think he makes you notice Hazel which I know sounds weird, but I think it's part of that whole dynamic between the two of them that she is she is a watcher. And that's why I think the book is from her perspective, not just because of Esther Earle and all that jazz, but I think he created this character who is supposed to notice. And so she notices these things in the world, and Augustus is instead trying to create them. And that's why he, we naturally have a tendency to lean towards him who's trying to be a little louder. I don't know. That's just what I think. I can yeah. do a whole fucking
1: college course study of essays on this book, I feel like. I also think that um, he brings so much, and it's uh, basically the same thing as what you're saying, but he he brings so much energy to um, those around him, uh, and he's, like, unrepenting about that. He he's refuses to be sorry that he, like, is joyful um, in any given moment when he's talking to Isaac about his eyes and when he's talking to Hazel about anything. Um, and I think that that is really endearing to me. I was devastated. You're not alone.
0: You, you're you not because I, I mean, I said the story last episode where like the book ended and I was on my floor just devastated because it, it and then my roommate walked in and she was like, who died? And, and I burst out sobbing because you know, it, and I think that's, you know, the next question in our prediction list is what's the twist? That's and this definitely is the twist. the twist. The twist is that he dies, not her. Yeah. And this whole time you're prepping for Hazel and you're prepping well, for the that's... book to end in the middle of a sentence. But it doesn't.
1: Well, I think that's the thing is you spend so much time with Hazel and in her head thinking about her own death. And she never once thinks about Augustus' death until he mentions it. Not once um she's never speculative about his health she's never um worried about him and so you're never worried about him and it's just like a bombshell gets dropped on you because it comes from nowhere you get those very subtle hints and i was starting to suspect that something was wrong but i didn't think it would be a flip until the third mention of it and i was like damn it they've mentioned it too many times well that and the fact that it's such a steady decline
0: like it's so fast after he tells us that he's dying and it just like you said it's like 40 pages
1: but at the same time like I wish it wouldn't have been 40 pages long like I wish it was shorter because I don't it was suffering to go through it like I didn't want to I get that you know it's important to know whatever how he declined but I don't want to because I don't like to be sad. <laughs> yeah, this is
0: not an escapist book. No, this, this is was not... like
1: put you in a situation. Like I've never been in a situation where, um, well, I guess the only person I know that has died from cancer was my grandmother when I was a child. So I, I don't have, you know, a first an eyewitness account of this kind of stuff. And I don't want to um, ever, you know maybe that will happen to me in my real life and then I'll have to deal with it then but in it in a fictional setting where I'm I'm making a choice and that's another thing is I texted kales I said I would dnf this book right now if I didn't have to finish it for the podcast and I was like I think that was bef- that was after was that after they it was after okay yeah so it was after they announced that it was Augustus that was dying I was like I like I literally would have not put it down and not read it because I'm like, okay, I know the end. I don't need to feel the pain. So.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. That's, why, sorry. I, that's why I read this it. This is probably... I'm not going to lie to you. I was looking through my list of the books that we have not in common. This is probably the roughest one of them I hope read. I
1: fucking hope so. I, I,
0: really, I, I, I really think this is probably one of the hardest ones. I can
1: read books that have very dramatic character death and all these things, like, without hating them um, oh yeah but i think part of it is because those books are typically fantasy or whatever and i can separate myself from them a little bit better um than this very contemporary book with uh the person who dying reminding me a lot of my husband
0: um we kind of dipped into this of like what why is the story from the mc's perspective and like why are they important
1: what did i say you remember
0: you talked about Hazel dying and and that that being the main big reason, oh, but I right. think because she didn't, that kind of got negated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, whatever I said was wrong then. But yeah, you. Here's what you did. You did just looking at it from like a an purely analytical standpoint. You did really, 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 really well until the twist. up until they left Amsterdam. Yeah. And the twist. yeah, that's true. Like you, you probably got the nail on the head. For the entirety of the book. Until Amsterdam. And, and I they.
1: also... I wonder if that's an influence of reading An Abundance of Catherine's. As my only other reference for John Green. Possibly. Because the beginning of this book. Up until the point where they get home from Amsterdam. Is. Like a... The equivalent of a road trip novel. Like they... Find a way to do this great trip. And then all these things. And then there's like some great disappointment in this thing that they were going to do. Um, and so I... I think, yeah, I think I expected it take to take longer. And, like, Amsterdam be the climax in of itself? Well, I, I mean, I knew someone was going to die. So I knew yeah. that their, like, death would be, you know... If it
0: helps, I didn't think that it was Augustus the first time either. I totally thought they were foreshadowing that the book was going to end in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Because that's how imperial affliction ends. But I, I totally... I... Mm. I didn't call it until they went to Amsterdam until
1: he started having pain. Yeah. Until that pain. Yeah. And so I think I was, I'm really happy. And I honestly, I just wish that for my own like selfish hate of sad books that the story ended with Amsterdam and it was like, that's okay. non inconclusive (laughs) what happens. Cause that's what would happen in like a romance novel. Cause it would be happy for now. Like. He did this thing, and it was amazing, and we're together, and everything's great. And we're going to stop there, and what happens next, we don't need to talk about. (laughs) Like, I love the moment when he tells her. In the movie, they do it when
0: they're at dinner, when he tells her he loves her. But in the book, it's on the plane. Mm -mm. And I still pictured it in the movie way when I was listening to it, though. Because the lines are the exact same about how he falls in love with her. And she doesn't say it back, but he just is like, I am unashamedly in love with you. And it's, it, oh God, it's so good. And it, and yet I think that's what was also really hard for me too, is I'm sitting here reading it and falling in love with him all over again. And I knew, I knew, and I tried still to distance myself and I couldn't do it. And I'm not an emotional person really. I mean, but it just,
1: I couldn't, I fell for it all over again. I think the minute, the moment I bought, bought into the relationship um, it was actually later because I, she had talked about wh- whenever she looked up his ex-girlfriend and she noted all these similarities and all these things. That's a great aspect of the whole story. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like I'm, I'm now more cautious about him because I don't, I don't know if this is. And when the friend genuine. is like, oh, does this guy have one leg? Like she's heard about yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I I felt, um much more cautious because I was like, I don't know how genuine this is because if he's if he's, falling in love with the reflection of the one, the girl he loved before, that's shitty. And so the, when they're sitting on the park bench and she asks about Caroline, I think it's her name, Caroline. Yeah. And he talks about how, about Caroline's illness and how, how Caroline was actually kind of a bitch <laughs> and he didn't, he kind of just had to hold on um, until the end. It wasn't really he wasn't in love with her and all these things that's really where I was like okay I'm I'm here for this because he can openly say and and when he says um when I saw Caroline's ghost in that um support group meeting I wasn't staring like for a good reason you know um and I really liked that that he was like yes I acknowledge that you look like her you look like her but that's not why this is happening. Yeah. So that was really where I had the most buy-in to their relationship.
0: I think when I have the first buy-in to their relationship is the swing set. Um, really? When he comes over and she's crying. It was It was because he... I guess it's because he came when she's crying. And, and I have a... My family was raised on the idea of a phone call and you drop what you're doing. Even if it's not a big emergency, which doesn't help for some things in my life. Um, but that meant a lot I remember when he just was like I'm I'm coming and I fell for Augustus though as a person the night of the broken trophies um when I bought into like he's a he's a good guy um, yeah because of what he does for Isaac and lets him break all the things and really helps him with his pain management in a very weird Augustus Waters way but to me that was like a great sign of friendship and I love that Isaac and Hazel weren't really friends until Augustus they were only friends through their illness. Yeah. Primarily.
1: Well, and I, yeah, I definitely liked Augustus before I bought into them being real and like genuine. Um, the night of with the swing set, it's interesting um, because I had a similar I had a similar but different reaction to it because once again, that um, that response to her being so upset and like not really like telling him about it or whatever and him coming over and just being like I'll be there for you like whatever uh reminded me of my husband so <laughs> like reading that Fuck, scene, man reading that scene I was like damn it and Nate was sitting right there and I was like damn it Nate <laughs> you suck
0: I'm sorry I'm sorry but I'm sorry that was she before I did it again
1: that's before I knew it got some dying so it was okay I mean, they're definitely. Let me let me just say this for people who don't know my husband, they he here he and Gus Waters are not for one for one. No, um, oh no, oh, by no, 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 any no. means I can one hundred percent attest to that. Yeah, but there were just like these little quirks that he would have that reminded me of that like kindness that Nate tends to have, and so that really and it again it definitely made it worse. Um, I would have been sad no matter what, but I also may have because i knew i felt like that like i felt this little connection i think i may have been able to better shut off like compartmentalize my emotions because i was like okay well this is happening now so we're not gonna be sad about it (laughs) i'm like we're gonna get angry instead like i made a conscious decision i was like this sadness is turning into anger now going through the machine (laughs)
0: that's why they say anger is a secondary emotion yeah do you have any other thoughts that you want to express. I think you've said a lot and I've said a lot and I I I genuinely am sorry because I know you and I know you don't like this. I thank you for taking the time to read it. I'm really glad that you can at least acknowledge that
1: it's a good book. Um at least well written. I have made you read books that have tortured you before, um namely uh The Knife of Never Letting Go. Oh my gone. That's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time. With the pain, with, in the same way, with the pain and the death and the, the sad. Dog. I will never forget the dog. Um, so that one and uh, uh, what was the other one? Was it Memoir? Is that what it's called? No, the one, the graphic novel about the girl at Honor Girl? Yes, <sighs> Honor Girl. You also got really mad at me for making you read that. So this is just like an eight, one for one payback. <laughs>
0: I'm having such a hard time. Like
1: I, so I would just, I'm just putting this out. So you don't feel so bad. Cause I've definitely done this to you before. This is true. This is true. Um, just spread them out. If you've got three that are going to make, me. You... Oh, I'm not
0: going to, I'm not, oh, I got to spread it out for me too. Yeah. Are you shitting me? Like I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, oh, what's the next book that I want to read? And there was one and I was like, I don't want to reread it right now. I don't want to do it.
1: Ow, 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 ow. Tunk,
0: stop sucking. <laughs> um, speaking of books, do you want to no. know what you're reading next? I, I don't know what I'm reading Can next. you predict? No, I have, I have, all that you told me, the only hints that I have are that you got it from the library. I did. It was an ugly copy, which makes me think it's older,
1: because it means that it has to be reissued. No, I meant that, like, it was torn up. Oh, fuck. Yeah, not that the cover's ugly, but the, Damn it. the copy was, uh, like, the oh. copy was torn up.
0: Oh, damn it i'm sitting here thinking you said it was ugly like a really bad, like the cover. bad cover no
1: yeah and it's not my favorite cover but it's but not that means it
0: still has to be reissued so it has
1: it has had multiple covers and you said you wanted us to have fun
0: with it i mean i bet i could look at your list and pull something off but i don't want to do that because it feels like cheating do you me just to tell you I, do I need to m- pull away from the
1: microphone so I don't scream I don't it? I don't think so. I don't think you'll be like...
0: Watch me, never have heard of
1: it. What you, is it. You know what it is. We've talked about it. We talked about it this weekend, actually. <laughs> Fuck, really? Uh, yeah, so next in September, we're going to be reading Poison Study by Maria V. Snyder. Oh, yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, I'm okay with that. it yeah, will yeah. be fun. It's going to be a fun one. I think, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it'll be one that we can both enjoy... And maybe not torture Allison with. No, it'll be good. And can I
0: totally have that library copy? Because I'd have to order one for the bookstore. Because I know we don't have it.
1: Because I reorganized the YA section today. I got it for you, actually. Um, yeah. So it's Marie V. Snyder, uh, "Poison Study." It's the beginning of a series, but it's one of my it's one of my favorite uh, books for sure. Um, definitely a book I read coming into. Like young adulthood, and I love it, and I'm really excited to reread it. I've reread it several times, but I'm excited to reread it now. I'm excited now. That one's cool. That'll be a good break from this, I think. too. And it's not there's too still long. Weird things about death. There's definitely death, but it's fantasy death. It's fantasy death. Dun, 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 dun. Um. Yep, yeah. So I won't. I'll stop talking about it because we have to talk about it next time. But yes. So join us in two weeks for the next uh,
0: episode of Novel Predictions, where I will be reading poison study for the first time and i will be rereading it yay uh that's really exciting thank you guys so much for joining us for this really long episode about the fall in our stars um i am really grateful that you guys stuck it out um and i'm really grateful that allison stuck it out it was hard uh, you, you but did great i made it through so great um follow us on all the social media please hit that subscribe button and uh five stars uh let us know what you think of the podcast you know it, tell us if you've read tiffios or not or what's the part that made you cry um we are just love talking to you guys and love to generate conversations please let us know we're not shouting into the void yeah we'd love that um do you have anything to to add no i'm ready to stop talking about this book and forget it exists sounds great <laughs> i don't know the outro anymore
1: uh keep making novel predictions bye